Welcome back, you beautiful bastards, to the Frosty to Canuck podcast. And let's just jump into it with a word from Frosty. Say the line! Frosty. Big Chung. No, I can't use Big Chungus. Yay! I want to use Big Chungus because fucking Big Chungus. Did you see the official Big Chungus news? Can we talk about that? Yeah, we can talk about that. That's pretty damn funny. It's not even an April Fool's joke. That's the funniest part about it. No, that's for real. So... For those of you who are not familiar, there's a meme called Big Chungus where they took Bugs Bunny and they made him obese as fuck. That's where, like, the Big Chungus meme started to gain some traction around, uh, I think, around 2019, 2020. Like, the Looney Tunes mobile game, and I guess whoever makes Looney Tunes, and I don't actually know who the fuck owns them. I have the big dumb right now. Whatever. They have acknowledged the fact that Big Chungus exists and is just like an obese Bugs Bunny, and they have included it as a character in their mobile game. Yeah, Warner Brothers owns them. That's what I thought. Okay. They have this fucking Big Chungus character in the fucking Looney Tunes mobile game. This broke my goddamn brain. I cannot even with this shit. Yeah, no, it's it's funny as hell. Like, I can't, I'm surprised it exists either. They acknowledge that this meme exists, and then they fucking made a character. They doubled down, yeah, they doubled down. Yeah, they doubled down, exactly, yeah, they doubled down on it. It's it's fucking mind boggling. Yeah, I mean, the media's gone kind of crazy, especially with stuff from the internet now. It's like anything that'll, like, will tend to blow up is uh, kind of widely kind of accepted by the developers or the owners of these IPs. Did you know there was a Looney Tunes mobile game before this? Fuck no, I didn't know there was a Looney Tunes mobile game. Neither did I, but now I do. So this accomplished exactly what it was trying to do. (laughs) Yeah, what was it like, the world isn't ready for him? Or something like that. Yeah, the world may not be ready for this. And it showed Big Chungus poking his head out from behind the earth. I mean, fucking neither of us were ready for that. No, this shit actually just destroyed me. Oh, apparently he is a legendary minion. He's part of the Chungabunga event, which runs from April 2nd to April 6th. Oh man, this event's going to be over by the time people can listen to this podcast. Well, hopefully our listeners found out about that. Hopefully if you play the fucking Looney Tunes (laughs) game, you got the big Chungus already, because that shit was limited time only. That should have been like for a month, but... Whatever, it's... Like, we can't make those decisions. Yeah. So yeah, now that I just put out a fucking really stupid piece of news, uh, let's get into the actual topics. <laughs> I mean, we're going into kind of more stupid news, because it's April Fool's when we're recording, so... Yeah, it is. There's a ton of stuff that developers like to announce, or, well, poke fun at. Some of the highlights, NVIDIA had a um, RTX 490 that's um fucking huge. <laughs> <laughs> It boggles the mind how fucking big it is. Is it kind of like those stupid-ass backpacks that AMD showed off at E3 a couple years ago that were actually yeah, supposed to be, like, like a legitimate product? It's like, oh, it's a GPU you carry around on your back, and it's like, this is stupid. What is this? Yeah, at least this is probably just... I mean, it is just an April Fool's joke. Deathloop has Deathloop cereal. Break the loop. Break the fast. <laughs> <laughs> the right way to restart your day. Yeah, that one made me laugh. That's pretty good. Also, the fact that it was is like two Fruit Loops smashed together, so they always mm-hmm. have like a, a figure eight symbol. Yeah, exactly. That thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, bug snacks. They're like, oh, sorry, we know that the bugs are kind of creepy and off-putting, so we're gonna rebrand our uh, game but to just snacks. So <laughs> there's there's a little video on uh, on Twitter that they provided that's just so they don't have faces anymore. They don't have any faces, and just, like the song goes. Instead of 
fuck snacks. It's just like, it's time for snacks. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> strawberry, hamburger. hamburger. And all the game mechanics are broken because they're trying to capture bugs that would move. But now that no longer works. <laughs> oh, they're going to be so jealous when they see what I have. Yes. Pokemon's Twitter account, and I guess YouTube account, got hijacked by Bidoof. Oh, is that what the Bidoof stuff was? Yeah. I kept seeing Bidoof all over the place, and I didn't understand why. I just assumed it was because Bidoof is fucking stupid and funny, so that was enough. But I didn't realize yeah, it was because the Pokemon Fools. account got hijacked by the fucking stupidest Pokemon. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. That's the nutshell of that. They put out another little update tweet saying, Oh, sorry, we're going to investigate what the fuck happened. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah, no kidding. Oh, and Pokemon Sword and Shield, Magikarp that was uncatchable, took over all the raid battles. So every single raid battle was a Magikarp you couldn't even catch? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> that's, okay, honestly, for a one-day event, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, now it is. Can I say my favorite April Fool's joke? Sure, sure. My favorite April Fool's joke was that Outriders was released today. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. So did everyone else. <laughs> I thought I saw something that's saying like it's gotten more traction actually than Avengers did on launch. Well, yeah, Avengers got fucking nothing. <laughs> Fair enough. But that's like saying that like getting a fucking 50 on an assignment is better than getting a zero on an assignment. Like, obviously. <laughs> I don't know how it's... Because it doesn't have any reviews when I checked on Metacritic. It's one of those games that's like, oh, review in progress or, you know, like a Destiny or like an Anthem. Yeah. Where they're like, oh, we have to, we're going to investigate all the components first, including like all the multiplayer and the end game content that everyone keeps saying. Like, oh, that's the part everyone fucks up is the end game loop. Yeah, I only have Steam to go off of. Right now, at the time of recording, 7.34 p.m. Eastern Time on April 1st, it is sitting at a mixed score of 54% positive reviews. That's not surprising at all. Yeah, it's getting the shit kicked out of it. I believe most of the negative reviews have to deal with the fact that it is always online, even if you're playing it single player. That's the nature of those games, though. Yeah. It has easy anti-cheat in it, which people are not happy about. Okay. That software is a piece of shit. Gotcha. It's basically a rootkit, so that's why people don't want it on their machine. It's extremely invasive, specifically so it can tell if you're cheating, but who the fuck cares? Yep. Any other April Fool's news that you found interesting? No. Most of my Twitter feed was people were using the mobile app to crop their photos, so they had like seemingly not safe for work stuff and i had it cropped at like the good bits and then you click on it and then like the rest of the image would be like the horny bat or something akin to the horny bat that was the joke they kept on giving so like once i saw one of those images i just kept clicking on all of them and it kept making me laugh even though it was the same joke every single time <laughs> yeah that would have been me for mario's dead there was a really good Mario is Dead one where someone... You're familiar with the opening to One Piece, right? Where it shows, like, Gold Rogers at the, yeah, at the yeah, gallows. Yeah. yeah, someone drew Mario like that, and it's like, I, if you want to find me games, I, I put them on the internet. Go, emulate them. <laughs> <laughs> That's good, actually. Damn. The picture was really well done, and like it emulated it, it uh, like, One Piece's intro really well. I, I was like, oh, I get that reference, and that's actually... Like, not a terrible message to put out there, because Nintendo has intentionally made these games fucking impossible to, to get at, so... Yeah, I checked this morning. It was still on Amazon, though. Physical copies? 
Yeah, physical copies. Well, they can't. I thought they would have been pulled. Yeah, well, they can't pull physical copies if they still exist, so. But it's Nintendo. They could do whatever they want. They can try to do whatever they want, but an American company's going to tell them to suck their balls. You can still kind of get it. Mario is not dead yet, and he'll be back for golf. There's that, too, which uh, we'll get into that topic. Or is this a good point to transition over? Are we done with April Fool's? Oh, yeah, we're done with April Fool's. Okay, so the big issue that, like, you'll be able to buy 3D All-Stars still if you buy it secondhand as a physical copy, because you can do that with physical copies, but you'll have to pay an absurd price for it because of the limited run of the game, and you can't just buy it digitally anymore. Segway, Sony shut down the old PlayStation store, so it's the one that was supporting... It's going to shut down. Oh, yes, sorry. Uh, But, yeah... Double segue, that's not an April Fool's joke. No, that's for real. That was announced well before this. I know. But yeah, so that's the store for the PlayStation 3, the PSP, and the PS Vita is shutting down. Mm-hmm. The uh, PlayStation 4 and now the PlayStation 5 use a different store for selling things. So Yeah, it's a piece of shit. Sony wanted to get rid of their old store so they weren't updating and supporting two stores. It'd be like if there was two different versions of Steam and Valve would just force you over to the new version of Steam. Yeah, but Valve would at least bring everything over. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> the nature of computers means that like Valve could always do something like that. Sony probably could have made the PlayStation 3, PSP, and Vita work on a new store, but they're just like, ah, fuck it. I find it really funny because, like, when the PS4 launched, there was lots of PS3 games that got ported over. And I find that really funny now in retrospect because that will be the only way you can play those ones if you can't find a physical copy anymore on the PS3. Yeah, well, I I saw a ton of people, you know, who were voicing disdain for this. It's like, what would you do if you just bought a PSP now? And I'm like... If you just bought a PSP, why the fuck aren't you emulating everything on it? First of all, <laughs> that system's okay. been cracked for over a decade now. They gave up on that a long time ago. Part of why the Vita didn't sell as well as the PSP is because the PSP was a fucking homebrew machine. So people were running like ROMs and shit on it, and the Vita was a lot more locked down. So it, it, like that whole scene and reason why people liked the PSP was not present on the Vita. Regardless, one of the prevailing attitudes I saw from people, these were the kind of people who say a lot of ignorant shit on the internet. So I'm going to just preface what I'm about to say. If you like physical copies because you like having a collection of shit on your shelf or you just like the physicality of having the game disc or the game cartridge, okay, what I'm about to say does not apply to you. If you were pointing to the Sony store closing as a reason for why physical games are better than digital games, you are a flat earther. You are a flat earther of video games. Those two things do not have anything to do with one another. Saying that the physical, like the digital store shutting down is proof that physical games are, like what? What the fuck is the logic there? There's no connection between those two things. Right? I get both sides. Well, so you can still, and Sony's went out of their way to say that you can still download the games. If you yeah, own them already. Yeah, that's, that's a thing. You, so you can download them. You can re-download them. So if they're not on your system, you can still re-download them. Yeah, you still have access to your full library. That's not going away. Yes, the ability for you to purchase any more of those games 
digitally are gone. Yeah, and any kind of microtransactions, I believe, are also gone because that relies on yes. the storefront. But, like, one of the things, if you buy a secondhand game for any of those systems, right? Like, especially in the PS3 and the Vita era, that was when day one patches were very prevalent in just about every game. If you buy a PS3 game you have never played before on your PS3, the download server needs to exist so you can download the day one patch so you can even play the fucking thing. So it's like, they're not going to shut that fucking store down because... Or, sorry, the download server down. Because if they shut the download server down, not only are you not able to download your digital library anymore... You can't play physical games anymore because almost all of them have a day one patch. Yeah, for the most part. The people who are saying that are straight up, like, fucking, like, just... They're the kind of people who will say or point to anything to prove their point, even if the things they're pointing at have nothing to do with what they're talking about. They're just, all this is proof of this thing, even though it's completely unrelated. It's like, okay. I also saw some people who were bitching about it from a standpoint of games preservation. Are you... I don't give a fuck about this. Are you at all in the know or care... Do you care about this kind of stuff, Jason? Oh, I mean, it, it kind of does suck because on the PS3, I think you could download a lot of PS1 classics. So that's being also lost, is that ability. Oh, yeah, that's true. And equivalently on the PSP, I think if it was compatible, you're losing that access. At least the ability to give Sony the money for it. Mm-hmm. Feel free at this point to just emulate it after... Yeah, I would say just fucking emulate it. Let me get the dates. July 2nd for the PS3, which is the PSP as well, and then August 27th uh, for the Vita. After that, fucking feel free. Sony clearly doesn't fucking care. Yeah, or they want people to use PS Now, but I don't even think PS Now is available in every region. That's not even like <laughs> right. a useful thing to, to even add in there i'm sure that's what they would say well not even the fucking the, a quote from one of the higher ups there was going around being like why would anyone want to play old games it's like i don't know because they enjoyed playing those old games <laughs> i don't know why does anyone play any game <laughs> i feel like this would have gone really poorly if they said uh fuck your old downloads though that would have been like a real kicker so they could do that i don't think that they will That'd be really bad PR. Yeah, well, so the thing is, it doesn't take a lot of cost to run a download server, and I'm pretty sure that without the download server, like I said, a lot of those games require day one patches. So without that, you wouldn't have the day one patches, so a lot of physical games would also become complete. Like, not if you already own them, but if you bought them used, right? You put them on a new system that's never had the game in it before. It goes, okay, I need an update. It goes to look for the server, mm -hmm. and the server doesn't exist anymore. So what the fuck do you do at that point, right? That would just be a PR disaster. That'd be a fucking, like, nuclear meltdown of PR disasters. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it comes down to just... It'd be ideal to have the ability to be able to purchase these games on one newer system. So, some sort of play it on the PS5 with an emulator. Yeah, I think that that's... Would make, that would make sense long term. I remember hearing sentiment about it back when... I think it was before the PS4 was even launched, and people were like, I want my library to be able to come with me. And then they shut off the PS4. Sony dunked on Microsoft a ton during that, but one of the things Sony didn't have was the ability to carry your library forward. Yeah. And that has remained... Mostly true. PS4, PS5, do you carry your library forward? Yes. That's how the PS5 actually has some content right now. Yeah, because under the hood, they're basically the same thing. I know some people are going to dispute that. I mean, from like a 
the way the hardware is configured and designed perspective, not in a raw power sense. If that yeah, makes the, sense. The, to play the software is like the same. The way that, that the software interacts with the hardware is the same because the hardware hasn't changed dramatically. Yeah, like 99% of games that were on the PS4 are playable on the PS5. 100% of them should be, but... There's one called, like, Shadeen. I remember that one. I saw that on the list because I played that one before. It was, like, a little stealth indie game. And part of the problem for them was they had this weird loading thing that was a problem on the PS5, and they were like, well, it doesn't make sense for us financially to... Update this? ...fix that, so... That'll be one of the games that doesn't work. <laughs> I guess that kind of makes sense for smaller teams. If it's not, like, if it's too much for them yeah. to fix it. Yeah, that was the main issue. I think all the AAA games... The, oh, the yeah, they have one. no fucking excuse. Just fucking implement a new performance patch, same shit as they would do on PC. But, yeah, I think it's really funny, because, like, Nintendo used to be the kings of backwards compatibility, right? Like, their handheld systems always had... You could always play the previous handheld things. Mm-hmm. So, like, as soon as you got a new... So you always had, like, a library that you were moving with so you always had something to play on your new stuff even if you couldn't like afford a whole lot at that time yeah the 3ds was great for that yeah and same with the ds because you had access to like a whole bunch of the old yeah so one of the things that was kind of shitty is that like they didn't have that as much in their console line it is kind of like hit and miss when they did and didn't include it but like they did it for the most part because the gamecube couldn't the GameCube didn't do anything. Yeah, so, so like... The Wii did the GameCube, and then the Wii U did the Wii. So, like, the NES, like, it obviously is, like, kind of like one of the first ones. The Super Nintendo, if you had a special cartridge... I remember this because a friend of mine had it. I think it could either play it or, like, you had to load it into, like, a, a cartridge. So, like, you took the tiny NES cartridge and you put it into, like, a Super Nintendo cartridge. And you put that in the Super Nintendo, and then you could play, like, NES games on the Super Nintendo. It was, like, basically an adapter. Yeah! I can't remember if that was a thing or if that was a thing for Game Boy games. I know it was definitely a thing for Game Boy games. I think they also had a thing for playing NES games on the Super Nintendo. I didn't own either of those. I only know about that because of like my friends who had parents who were into video games. So I was like, ooh, this is so cool. Meanwhile, I'm over here with just my Game Boy. N64 definitely did not have any backwards compatibility. Neither did the GameCube. But like the Wii was backwards compatible with the GameCube. The Wii U was technically backwards compatible with the GameCube and with the Wii. <laughs> and then the Switch is not backwards compatible with anything. So they like kind of completely killed off all of the backwards compatibility with their home consoles and their handheld consoles all in one fell swoop with the Switch. <laughs> and then Sony's Impressive been like... Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. And then Sony's been like, oh, we don't give a fuck about old games for a while now. Funnily enough, Microsoft is actually doing the best in this regard. Yeah, because they've just no, decided they to treat their fucking consoles like computers, so they're like, "Yeah, everyone can have every game at all times. Go ahead." They've been killing it on that regard. So if you, if you deeply care about preservation and you don't own a PC, then yeah, Microsoft seems to be the way to go. Or a living room PC by way of the Xbox line of consoles. Very true. I mean, the PlayStation's in the same boat, but it's it's more fun. It it, it makes more sense with with Xbox because it's running an altered version of Windows 10 for its OS. Right, but the more interesting part of this story is the fact that when we found out, the developers also fucking found out. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there were some on the PS Vita, because a lot of a lot of indies like still supporting that. As someone who still plays the Vita, I know, I'm weird, shut up. I didn't say anything, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, our viewers, they were saying, what?! One developer, like uh, Lily Mo Games, they're the ones that made the uh, Twin Breaker game that I gave uh, 
a lot of shit to. Give yeah, a lot of shit to, and still is on my um the bad game list of the year so far that I played. But I do feel bad for them because yeah, they were finding out at the exact same time, so uh, they had to cancel their next game for the Vita because it didn't make sense. They weren't gonna be able to like, probably deliver it on time. Funnily enough, the story also said like the developer I was working on fixes for the Vita that morning when the announcement happened. So man, that's such a it's a noble pursuit to put a game on the Vita, but why? From a business standpoint, why? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I've been listening to a few um people talking about like how much harder it is to actually program for the Vita because there's the memory constraints because it's just the, the handheld versus like mm-hmm. the, the PS4, or the Nintendo Switch or the Xbox version. So, uh yeah, financially I don't understand it either. Well, hold on a second. Colin owns that company, doesn't he? Or like he owns a stake in, in that company. I suppose, yeah. It was done because Colin loves the Vita unabashedly. <laughs> That's the only reason oh, why. Gosh. Even though it makes no financial sense to do that, he's like, put it on the Vita. Why? Because I want to play the Vita in bed. I want to play this game on the Vita in bed. <laughs> but Colin, the, the charts show that we're going to lose money. We're in the red with the with the Vita. Put it on the Vita. He's <laughs> like, F- fuck you, put it on the Vita anyway. <laughs> What a fucking Goomba, oh my god. <laughs> There's another one that's not that developer. It's the game called uh, Scourgebringer. Uh, and oh. I joked and said like, oh, it's going to be available for 128 days before it goes into the ether and just is gone because Sony said, fuck you. Yeah, I have actually played that game. Not on Vita, obviously, but yeah, that actually sucks balls that they were just about to finish porting it and Sony's pulling the plug on the store on them. Well, they still have 128 days, so that's about four months and a bit, so... That's fucking nothing, though. I know it's nothing, but maybe they might get a lot of final support. Uh, Probably, because, yeah, I imagine people are like, oh, I gotta buy it now. It might actually be better for them. Not best case scenario, obviously, but... You know what Sony should do for this? They should just have, like, a hallelujah for the, the end and just have everything on super discount on the PS3, PSP, and the PS Vita. Just be like, everything's $2. Well, so if they do sales the same way that Valve does sales, the sale price is set by the developer. I know. But, yeah, it would be cool if there was, like, a fucking going Last out minute. of business kind of sale. <laughs> going out of business sale. Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. I don't know what you would call it when you're shutting down a digital storefront, but it's ostensibly a going out of business sale, right? I guess the same it, style. Yeah, no, it really is. <laughs> oh, dear. We're having a going out of business sale. <laughs> For our digital market, everybody. Woo! In the industry that defied COVID, pretty much, because... Yeah, well... It made sense, because everyone was locked inside. Yeah, I don't know. I don't necessarily have a problem with them shutting a storefront down. I do think that it's kind of shitty that there's not adapting the devices to work on a newer storefront. Because, like, that's the whole mm-hmm. thing. It's like, I can understand not wanting to have to support two different storefronts because that's fucking balls. But at least let everyone use the same storefront with their device. Like, you fucking on PC or on, like, the fucking mobile devices, everyone uses the exact same store. Regardless of what device you're using, you can always use the stores that are available. So just, like, fucking do that. I know it's it's more complicated than I'm making it out to be just by saying, oh, yeah, just do it. But it's, guys, come on. I mean, for the most part, I was, I was just using the web version of the store to buy games because it made a lot of sense. But then they Sony decided, oh, we're going to revamp it. And then they fucked everything up. Oh, yeah. They fucked everything up. Fuck you, Sony. Fuck you for fucking around with the fucking store. God fucking damn it. It's a piece of shit to, like, to navigate 
I used to use like the wish list feature to basically which is gone now the games that like I was interested in like yeah which they took out so like that was like kind of my secret little like extra cart like I was going I was going through the list and like I'd have like a budget for like let's say twenty to thirty dollars for the week and I'd be like okay well this is what I could buy from the ten that I picked but now I can't do that now I have to like write them down on a fucking piece of paper like jot them down on the computer and I'm like God fuck I've known about this for weeks because Keith Nico and Maz all erupted collectively together in anger the day that that happened. They were all so fucking angry about it. <laughs> I find the fucking phone easier to use than the fucking webpage. That's how shitty this thing is. I actually use my phone now for the store. I can't use, or the PS4's storefront. I can't use the webpage anymore. It's so shitty. It didn't even fucking work for a week. <laughs> They were mad salty when the fucking changes happened because they they got rid of functionality. Well, you can tell I was mad salty too, but I actually <laughs> kept it inside until now. Now that this is the only fucking store that you can use. Well, I mean, have you used have you used Steam much at all? It's like what I consider the bare minimum for when you are making a digital storefront. It's fucking better than the Sony one. Like I said, it, I consider it to be the bare minimum. It has all of the exact bare minimum yeah, and features. Sony doesn't, and the Sony's new store doesn't have the fucking bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's why I've always been uh... Uh, at least somewhat critical of Epic's store because I'm like, I look on it and I'm like, it still doesn't have the fucking feature X that I'm looking for. That it just <laughs> exists in every other store. Ugh. Yeah. I can't even remember the last time I was like, I looked through the features. I think it was still missing fucking wishlist or some stupid shit like that. They at least have everything in Canadian currency now, which they didn't for like several months after they launched it, which I was like, okay. Fuck's sakes. Okay, let's compete without having, and it's not even just like Canadian currency they were missing. They were missing like a ton of what I would consider uh... major currencies for doing business in the world. And I'm like, all right, sure. You, I want to do business online, but I only have prices listed in US dollars. Cool, thanks. Fucking useless tits. <laughs> anyway, no, are I'm we... Not... <laughs> I'm done with this. <laughs> I was I, just going to say, are we done with this? <laughs> I, I got out my salt on the fucking store. I'm not surprised by this at all. I think it's a little bit too soon. I, th- I wish they kind of gave a year or, or more's notice. I think that would kind of smooth things over a tiny bit more. Not like this. It's happening in like four months. Yeah, well, I don't know. They, they Whatever. Fucking Sony's a, a bullheaded and company. Sony, They're gonna fucking do talk to your... Fucking talk to your developers. They have to buy a dev kit. You have all their emails. Fuck off. Yeah, that's true. That that was like a real epic blunder on Sony's part. Just completely shitting the bed on that one. Come on, Sony. You can do better. You used to be say like, oh, indies are our lifeblood. And they still fucking are. Because what have you released for the PS5? To be fair, the PS4 for like the first year no, and I a know. half, the PS4 I think, had like had the same nothing. Problem. Yeah, I know. It survived off of indies. So treat your indies like with respect. Sony. Yeah. There's a reason why Microsoft's getting a lot more support recently. Yeah, well, Microsoft is like, hey, good guy Microsoft, be on Game Pass. We'll pay you a fuckload of money. Sony got too complacent with the winning last gen. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, well, I don't know what other topics you wanted to even cover this podcast, so I'll fucking throw the reins over to you. <laughs> All right. So, Cyberpunk... 2077. Oh, God, not again. (laughs) Oh, come on. Come on. This is funny. I'm going to talk about some of the highlight ones that I picked up. Is that why it's on sale? Because a new version of it came out? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Still not on the PlayStation Store. Sony hasn't allowed that one back on. That's (laughs) fucked up because Life of Black Tiger is still available for sale on the PlayStation 4 Store. (laughs) 
Oh, fuck's sakes. I forgot about that fucking game. Yeah, they decided that uh, Cyberpunk was more broken than that fucking piece of shit. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to talk about a few of the funny ones. All right. So the NCPD, so that's the police in the Cyberpunk world. Okay. Uh, spawn radius has been increased for players when they commit a crime. So problem with that apparently was the fact that you would commit a crime, and then you turn around, they'd be fucking behind you and start shooting you. <laughs> it was programmed so poorly. Now they programmed them so that they're much farther away, so you probably don't fucking see them spawning. Wait, so it was like your horse in... In every open world game, yeah. So he's fucking, like, committed a crime, you turn around, the police just, like, pop into existence, and you're like, oh shit, where the fuck did you come from? Pretty much from what I have heard. I have not played. I have seen it. It's pretty fucking funny. That's hilarious. Man, that should have just so been left in. That's funny. That they, <laughs> yeah. So that's one bug that they crushed. Okay. Their list was probably like about 200 items. So I'm just going to oh, kind of yeah. get about 20 of them that I found funny. Okay. A player can no longer cancel fall damage by performing a slide action when about to fall from greater heights. Oh, that's kind of lame. That's like an emergent <laughs> property. That's tech. Uh, fixed an issue where V could get stuck in empty buildings when exiting a vehicle park cl too close to a wall. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so he just like clipped into the wall and then couldn't get out. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Fixed an issue that caused NPCs to trip over other NPCs too often. Just like picturing a bunch of them fucking like just walking into each other and falling over each other and then like, getting up and then falling over each other again. It's like a never-ending cycle. Pretty much. Fixed an issue where pedestrians could get teleported after being hit by a vehicle. <laughs> so you'd like hit them and they teleport somewhere? That's what it sounds like. Okay. NPC hit by a car will now immediately run in panic. <laughs> so before it was, they weren't, I guess. Uh, fixed multiple issues during the sex scenes. What? No! My penis 2 is missing. What the fuck? Ah, the penis 2. The sequel to the penis. How far we've come. Fixed the misspelled leaving Night City sign. So they had a spelling mistake in... How the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. That's, I found that one really funny. Fixed NPCs moving after being killed. <laughs> 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 oh no, I am dead. Bleh. Continues walking. There's like limp bodies moving around like a fucking spider. <laughs> Hello, good sir. Just his neck swing been... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> His arms are fucking ragdolled, too. Fixed NPCs shouting after being killed. <laughs> <laughs> I have been killed. Uh. Oh, no, that's like the <laughs> donkey in his review of it. He, like, shoots a guy. He's just, like, limp on the ground, but he's still screaming at the player <laughs> character. You motherfucker, I'm gonna kill you. He's, he's like, but you're dead. <laughs> I got a couple more. Jackie no longer shouts nice shot when V kills enemies while in stealth. Okay, I guess that was just annoying to hear a bunch of times in a row. I mean, it doesn't contextually make sense. Like, ah, I picked off this guy. Nice shot! Oh, I guess you're in stealth, so yeah, you wouldn't want someone shouting across the room at you. I, I, I'm guessing they just ignored whatever Jackie's the, the other character said. <laughs> yeah, but still. It ruins the immersion in this broken-ass game. Oh, yes, the immersion in the game where fucking... <laughs> Anything can happen. Exactly. And the frame rate will drop to whatever the fuck it wants. My human eyes see infinite frame rate in real life and 60 in video games, and this game can't even manage that sometimes. Does two frames per second has a multi-million dollar selling game. Yes. Okay, comrade, what other bugs have been fixed? The ones where is the NPCs with T-Pose. 
Oh man, that was okay. That was that that was probably one of the more important prevalent ones to fix. But holy fuck, that one was funny. Oh yeah, no, it was that people one, just t posing all over the place. They get out of cars, t pose. They get up from the diner, t pose. Fucking talking to him. Middle of an end game cut, cut t pose. T pose. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best is when you see a, a t poser that's an enemy and they've got like the gun and they're shooting you. And you're like, oh yeah, but <laughs> the gun's pointed in the other direction. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah they didn't have too many for like specific to console but one that i found kind of funny for console was fix an issue that caused the game to zoom in when pressing pause on the ps4 pro and the xbox one x what the hell i don't know okay i told you there's a bunch of weird ones on this list okay and i didn't even talk about any of the mission ones they have a very comprehensive list of, but I have not played it, neither have you, because it is basically a shitstorm of a game, so... I don't even know if I will play it when it is fixed. Yeah, it's certainly something. So that was kind of that news, but there is some Canadian-related news with uh, CD Projekt Red. They have acquired a Canadian developer called Digitalscapes. Never heard of them before. I haven't either, but they are based in Vancouver, and they've been working together since 2018. Apparently, this team has been kind of worked on a bunch of different projects. It doesn't seem like they really developed. They kind of are like an extra resource, kind of. Yeah, I'm seeing that they helped out with a lot of projects, but they haven't shipped mm-hmm. anything themselves. There's a not insignificant number of game studios that are kind of like that, or your favorite game studio may, in fact, like they only maybe have shipped like one or two games, may do contract work like that, where they assist in the development mm-hmm. of certain games to get a paycheck so they can fund their next big project. But anyway, yeah, that's the Canadian news. The Canadian and the Polish are going to work together now. Okay. Anyway, that's all I have for Cyberpunk and CD Projekt Red News. That wasn't too long, right? That's fine, yeah. <laughs> so, Maz, Woo-hoo! another viewer question. It's got background information. I think I'll just read the entire thing. So, I'm not sure how good of a question this is, but I have been thinking about this for some time. With first Persona 4 Golden going on PC and later SMT3 Remastered being on both Switch and PS4, are we in the final days of the console Cold War in regard to the SMT franchise between Sony and Nintendo? Or as it is more likely, we are just in a period where Atlas has more freedom to do whatever they want with their older titles. The reason I'm asking this now is that we are due to see the release of SMT5 this year. We also are hopefully getting some news soon regarding Project Re-Fantasy, which is like another Atlas title they haven't shown off a whole lot of for yet. And we have some teased news about a new Persona project. And if we're not getting closer... Which console maker are or is the most likely to be the one that fears losing exclusivity the most? Because I remember a day where SMT was viewed as being the better of the series rather than the spinoffs like Persona. Yeah, so Atlas is owned by Sega now. And since Sega has been kind of doing whatever it wants with a platforms... I think that we're going to see a lot more cross-gen releases, just like what we saw with Persona 5 Strikers that just came out recently with the PS4 release, the Nintendo Switch release, and then the PC one so all at the same time. I did some background research into this. So I guess for contextual history for people who are not familiar, and this will be beneficial to you as well, I think, Jason, 
so Shin Megami Tensei SMT 1, 2, 4, and 5. Almost all of them are exclusive to the Nintendo platforms. The only one that wasn't yes. was 3, Nocturne, which was exclusively available on the PlayStation 2, but is now mm-hmm. receiving a re-release on the Switch and the PS4. And PC, I think. Yeah, actually, you're right, and PC. Actually, I think Maz said that in the... Yeah, he did say it in the, the question. Uh, Persona, which is a spin-off of Shin Megami Tensei. Traditionally on the PlayStation. Yeah, it's been on the PlayStation for the longest time. I could not find a single piece of evidence that was supported by the developers saying that there is an exclusivity deal there, but the history of how these games have been released would point to there being an exclusivity deal where SMT for the most part, has been exclusive on Nintendo, and Persona has been exclusive on Sony's platforms. There are exceptions. Anytime there was a spinoff of either of those, even though Persona is a spinoff of SMT, don't think about it too hard. It'll make your brain hurt. It made mine hurt. <laughs> spinoff's Inception. Yeah, basically, a spinoff of a spinoff. <laughs> like Persona Q, right? That's a spinoff of a spinoff. That was available on the 3DS. So, and then, like, Persona 5 Strikers is a spinoff of Persona 5. That's, like, the contextual information. Like I said, I looked for several hours one evening trying to find evidence. Some kind of person had said that, oh, yeah, we have an exclusivity deal, or, like, such and such exclusivity deal is struck, or, like, some developer confirming it, but there's no hard evidence to support that there was an exclusivity deal. But based on how the games have come out, it seems like there is some kind of exclusivity deal. I know a lot of people thought that with Joker being added to Smash... <laughs> yeah, I know where you're going. Right? Like, people thought, oh, that means for sure that... Persona 5 is coming to Switch, and that didn't happen. I don't think that's going to happen. So that would point to there being some kind of exclusivity deal. At this time, I think that Persona 5 just couldn't probably be played on the Switch. It's I think it'd be just too much for it. But I mean, they did put Strikers on, so and fucking. And I don't I don't know the the depth of Strikers though how big it is. I would imagine that they could get Persona 5 running on a Switch because it was running on a PS3. Uh, there was actually a lot of screen tearing, though, on the PS3. Oh my god, developers can't do anything right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, like you said, uh, and Mass pointed out, like you're seeing a lot of Atlas games specifically starting to get released now. Well, I guess not a lot of, but you're starting to see Atlas games getting released on Steam. They were kind of like the last bastion of Sega's stuff. They started off doing like pretty tepid stuff where they're like, oh yeah, Sonic's on Steam, but like, what other shit can we put on Steam? And then back when I joined Steam in 2014, I think that was like one of the first years that a lot of Japanese developers were like, let's put out some feelers on Steam. Yeah, let's test the waters and then success. So that was when you saw things like um, Hyper Dimension Neptunia Rebirth. It got its release on Steam. Valkyria Chronicles, Port of That was put on Steam. There was some other notable games, but I am drawing a huge blank right now. So over the last several years, more and more of Sega's non-PC-oriented games have been coming over to Steam. They've been finding some degree of success, I have to imagine, because they keep releasing more games. So like Bayonetta got released, which is awesome because I got to play Bayonetta. They released Valkyria Chronicles 4 on PC as well, after like the first game did really well. All of Yakuza's finally... Yeah, exactly. Out. Yakuza, a series that no one even fucking knew about in, until like a few years ago, aside from like really deep weebs knew about until like a until few years ago. Until Zero. Yeah, and then Zero just like blew up the whole fucking franchise. That is like a very well-known franchise now in the West, and previously it did not enjoy anywhere near that much success. 
So yeah, Sega's had a ton of really good years over the last several years releasing their games, not just on PC, obviously, but like they've had a lot, I think they've enjoyed a lot of extra success on PC that they weren't necessarily having before. Um, they do, uh, hold on, let me double check this. I'm pretty sure they're the publisher for Football Manager. Uh, Maz would know, and he's going to get disappointed at me for having to look this up. Yeah, okay, it's Sega. So Sega always had that as a big branch of their PC success. Also, the Total War games, Creative Assembly. Mm. So Sega had two massive franchises that were PC powerhouses, and they've just been releasing other games that aren't necessarily as big as those games, but they've been enjoying a lot of success nonetheless. I think Yakuza is probably one of their biggest fucking like not PC-centric games on PC now. If you had told someone back in like 2010 that Yakuza, a very Japanese franchise, was going to be one of like the best-selling games on Steam in 2020, people would have fucking laughed at you. But that's what happened. Like, Yakuza Like a Dragon is one of the best-selling games on Steam last year. <laughs> yep. But anyway, getting back to the point. So Atlas's games have been like kind of the last holdout for that. So Sega's been putting a lot of their legacy titles. They've been putting a lot of their PS3, Xbox 360-era titles on there. Like I said, they put Yakuza on there. They've been bringing those out for even the new consoles as well. But yeah, Atlas was the one kind of thing that they weren't bringing out a whole lot of stuff for. And I think that changed when they released Persona 4 Golden last year, I want to say, was the first time that an Atlas game was released on Steam. But don't quote me on that. I'm just checking real quick. More or less, yeah. Persona 4 Golden was released on the 13th of June last year. Oh, Catherine was released three days before. So yeah, they released Catherine Classic Edition and then Persona 4 Golden at basically the same time last year, three days apart. So that was the first time Atlas games were released on to Steam, and everyone lost their fucking mind about that. And then Persona 5 Strikers was also released on Steam this year. So Atlas was like the one holdout from Sega's various divisions that wasn't putting stuff on PC, but it seems like they're starting to get their feet wet with that now as well. Yeah, when Sega took over Atlas... Um, I want to say like 2016, 2017 or so. He was earlier. It was than that, earlier but... than that. I remember hearing about it back in college. They were bought out in 2013 when I was in college still. Anyway, my point being when Sega bought Atlas, or they made it pretty clear that they weren't really going to. They wanted them to keep doing their own shit, right? Yeah, exactly. They wanted to do their own shit still. And Sega was like, you can do that. So they clearly haven't been forced to move along with the PC stuff. Maybe it's just because Atlas sees that Sega's been having so much success with this PC and they're like, ooh, maybe we should start looking into PC a little bit more. I do. And this is their taste test. Yeah, I feel like that was part of it. Persona 4 Golden was like one of the last Japanese gems of the Vita to be put on Steam. And it is. It's like a, it's a Vita port. There's no denying that. Mm-hmm. Oh, dang and Rampa. That's the other major franchise I was thinking of that was released around the same time. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so there's like a ton of big Vita Japanese games were released on the Steam, and people still fucking bought them. They didn't give a fuck. With that being the case, and I know that generally speaking, most console manufacturers don't view PC as competition, which is why it'll be like, oh, it's console exclusive, which, you know, it's like, oh, it's going to be on PC. Okay, cool. I shouldn't say that so unenthusiastically. I actually like the fact that that is the case. Yeah, just don't give them ideas. Exactly. So getting back to Maz's question, are we in the final days of kind of like the exclusivity Cold War between 
Sony and Nintendo? Do you think that SMT5... No, I think we're closer, but I think we're still in the, the stalemate. Yeah, I was pretty sure that SMT5... I don't think it's been announced. I think it's still going to be exclusively on the Switch. So, kind of mass points it out. I'm pretty sure it's just because they have a lot of freedom over their older titles. It's like, oh, no one cares because this is old. Maybe Persona 5 will come to, like, Nintendo consoles and PC, like, five years from now. <laughs> you know? I think the real kicker will be when they finally have an Xbox version of That'll it. That'll never fucking happen. I know, but if it does, that means I think they're releasing forever. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> that's my point. <laughs> Yeah, I still think that the exclusivity stuff is still very much in play. We're not done with that yet. I mean, even Square Enix with Final Fantasy 16 is like, ah, it's going to be PS5. Yeah. Well, I mean, Sony fucking paid a shitload of money for and gave the marketing spotlights. So, yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I think what's interesting is the last bit of what he asked. There was a time when SMT was viewed as being the better of the franchises, <laughs> and it was like a bigger win for it to be on Nintendo systems and for Sony to not have access to it, right? But I believe Persona 5, without the sales from Royal, outsold the entirety of the SMT franchise. Something along the <laughs> Or like, yeah. it accounts Very for close. like half of the sales of the entire franchise. It's something like that. Here's the thing. The Persona brand by itself, it's equally as strong, and they no longer even have to put on the Shin Megami Tensei part uh, on the label anymore. They just have Persona because it's that well recognized. Yeah, I feel like the the franchise kind of went from being an, like, and you know, and I know that AK listens to the, or I think he listens to the podcast pretty regularly, and he's a big, it was niche. he's a big SMT fanboy. But it's just like I was gonna say, it's like a super duper niche series that almost no one knew about. Don't get offended. It was a super niche franchise. My introduction to it was one of my friends saying. Ah, there's this game where you shoot yourself in the head and then you summon a demon. And I'm like, that sounds fucking awesome. That's how you introduced me to the games. Except you didn't tell me what the name was or you did and I didn't retain it because I'm like, oh, this is like some PlayStation shit. But I remember you showed that to me (laughs) one time when I was over for some family function and I was like, this is the funniest shit I have ever seen. Shoots himself. Persona. Yeah, he shoots himself in the head and then the fucking (laughs) demons come out and start slapping the shit out of the enemies. And I'm like, all right. (laughs) I really didn't know what a persona was even after that until persona 4 golden i think that's when the series or like the franchise of persona and like the name persona started to gain any amount of traction was when all those crazy people who own vitas they're fervent they're like feral dog they're like a pack of wild dogs and when they found a game they liked they they never shut the fuck up about it and because of that a ton of people who had vitas like they played Persona 4 Golden and were like, wow, this game is really good. And people who didn't heard about Persona all the time. So when Persona 5 came out years later, people were like, oh, this is that game I keep hearing about. Maybe I'll try it. It's supposed to be good. Yep. Yeah, like the brand recognition for Persona just went through the fucking roof. I feel like something kind of similar happened to Yakuza where it's like no one knew about this thing and then a few people found out about it and screamed to other people about it a bunch and then those people tried it because they heard about it a lot. And then they're like, wow, this is actually really good. <laughs> ah, mob mentality. Perfect. I mean, yeah, never <laughs> fucking doubt the machine. Again, I don't really know if we ever... Maz always asks such good questions, but I never know if we've actually answered them because <laughs> we just end up discussing them. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add to this? I think I am more or less tapped out of 
No, I think I think the answer is really just not yet. Yeah. Atlas is just testing the waters, so I think if we see a couple more releases this year, that definitely means that they're infested, which would definitely point towards a sign of them ending the console Cold War, unless exclusivity deals, which are going to happen until there's only one console left of monopolizing, or everything just goes PC. So yeah, that covers it off for Maz's question. I guess it's games we've been playing. Yeah. I think I went first last time, so I will let you go first this time. How about you tell me about how you've been playing The Witcher 3 on Steam? Ah, you weren't supposed to spoil that. I... Okay. So, I recently got a gaming PC. Big pee-pee time! What? Yes. When I told Frosty, his first response was, Is that yours? To which I said yes. And then he sends me Donald Duck's Raging Boner (laughs) And that's probably the perfect response. If you're familiar with the Donald Duck Raging Boner meme, I sent him a, an edited version of that where they extended the boner to be even longer and then they gave it the fucking ascended eyes and they put like the deep fried meme filter over top of it. It's just the dumbest fucking shit. I love it. It's one of my favorite reaction image macros. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's perfect, yeah. So, yes, funny part being, and you were there two years ago, I asked my oh, wife and she yeah. said, Fuck no. Yeah, we were, is, <laughs> when I said, what was that, Thanksgiving? Christmas. Was it Christmas? We were at your place. Oh, okay. My parents' <laughs> place. I'd moved out by that point. Uh, I know. You straight up, because Miranda and I, we both have our own gaming PCs, and we were like talking about it, and you're like, yeah, I kind of want to have a gaming PC. Fucking Sarah was like, no. And then COVID happened, and I shit you not, like it was like a month or two months after COVID happened, she's like, I want a gaming PC now. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I messaged you secretly and just like, do you remember her saying absolutely fucking no? Yeah, no, I, I do. And I, I even said that to Miranda afterwards and Miranda fucking erupted laughing when I told her that. Cause I'm like, Hey, you remember this like fucking thing that happened? She's like, yeah, I do remember this thing that happened. And I'm like, yeah, check this out. And she's like, Oh my God. <laughs> Hint for all bachelors. Don't get married. My wife's not here right now. So she can't hear this. <laughs> fucking murder you when you're recording she fucking it. Controls the money. <laughs> She controls the money now. Well, anyway, um, but yeah, you got a, a half-decent yeah, yeah. pre-built machine. You guys went have these mm-hmm. so you're going to share it. Yeah, I guess it makes sense, because you do have the Switch and a PlayStation in your uh, house as well. It's not like Miranda and I, where PC is our primary gaming platform, so we cannot share a PC very well, so we both need our <laughs> exactly. own machine. But yeah, so you've been playing Witcher 3. Yeah, I was playing The Witcher 3. I cannot believe how much I've been missing with how much better it plays and handles than the PS4 version. You're going to find that a lot with the PC version of I games. know. I, you've been telling me that for a while, and I believe so, you. So... I understand. Loading time, it takes like one second. I'm just like, what the fuck? The console's piece of fucking shit? Yeah. It takes like 30 seconds. I can make a cup of tea. I mean, there are times where you get really shit town 3000 pc ports but i feel like the perception of that is really overblown because there was a few high profile disasters and a lot of people right. are just like i don't want to say something that you have to censor out later but a lot of people are the big dumb when it comes to optimizing their shit for it so it's just like they put everything on the max settings and then complain like oh it runs like shit and it's like well what are you running it on it's like oh, i'm running it on hardware from five years ago i'm like well that's why you can't play it on max settings what are you doing 
<laughs> it's like you have the ability to change the settings, so change the fucking settings to get the either performance or the graphics that are what you want them to be. So I feel like a lot of the times when people are like, oh, this game runs like shit, it's like, well, no, you're just using like really old hardware and trying to demand too much from it. You're being a complete Kaizo. Or, yeah, you just need to put out the money for the new... Yeah, like for a while, on my when like Monster Hunter World first released, I wanted to run it at 60 FPS. And there was some like times where it, there was too much particle effects. NVIDIA put out a fucking graphics card driver update for that, which fixed some of it, and Capcom lessened the load, because it was using a bunch of CPU load for no real reason. It was like one patch later, and it's like, okay, this game finally runs it, like, in a way that is not completely unacceptable. Because it would, it would just run, like, fine for most of the time, but then whenever, like, certain monsters had a shitload of particle effects the frame room just go to shit <laughs> right yeah no I, I understand most of the time when a game releases it's like okay there might be a little bit of jank but like a patch later okay it's fine now or a third party person comes in and fixes the issues yeah i don't like that as much that 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 pisses no? me off a little bit because then it's like oh the company's not really fixing things and i actually have a there's there's a story uh but i don't want to get too side tangent here continue with the witcher <laughs> Sure. So, yeah, played probably like five hours of that so far. And then I kind of realized, hey, I own one and two because I bought them on sale because I thought I could play them on my laptop. Uh, no, could not. Piece of shit laptop. Yeah, you'd need a bit of a graphics card to run those. Yeah, I was big dumb in uh, 2012. Whatever. Your Steam account's older than mine. Well, mine's from like 2010. I, I was able to play Skyrim on my first laptop. Jesus Christ. My Steam account was made in 2014. I cannot believe <laughs> Jesus fuck. I'm the one who's I only made it four to that one. Well game. I'm over I'm the guy over here pure pressure. playing PC stuff. <laughs> you have an older Steam account than I do. What a twist! What the fuck? <laughs> I win, bitch. Yeah, my my for how much I play stuff on PC, my Steam account is relatively young. My library's only got about like ten games, so yeah, my Steam library also isn't super fucking big. My account, I think, is six and a half years old, and I have 277 games in it. Most people, in their first two years, end up uh, going over a thousand games because they just lose control when they see Steam sales. I don't know what the f- <laughs> I just- I can't spend money like that. I don't get it. Anyway, Witcher. That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we keep getting- We keep getting sidetracked. <laughs> so- the Witcher 3, really love it. Love all the improvements that I'm seeing versus the console. I am playing one on the controller for it just because I do not like the, at least the standard button mapping. Maybe if I ma- could map it differently, maybe that would work, but... You can. I didn't like the standard one either. I remapped a few things. I'm assuming that you don't have a mouse with macro buttons on it. Uh, I might, I might have a... You know, I think I okay. Do. Mine only has two. I I remapped the quick sidestep dodge and the long dodge roll to both of those buttons. Mm, that makes sense. I think one of them was on spacebar and one of them was like on left control or some shit. And I'm like, fucking, what is no? Uh, I was. Sh- I think it was like shift and tab or something like weird like that. It's so yeah, bizarre. it's really, really it, it just weird. Just do not work. And so stuff. yeah, just fucking remap that to like some spare keys or like your if you like I said if you got macro buttons on your mouse then put them on there or just fucking use a controller. Yeah, I plugged in my PS4 controller and uh, it it surprisingly as long as you boot it up with the controller it maps everything accordingly yes. even with the the X square and triangle and circle buttons. So it's really nice for that. Steam did roll out like a big system-wide thing where it should make it so that your 
PlayStation controller works with every game. If it doesn't work immediately, there is a thing in Steam. I can show you it later, but there's a thing in Steam where you can configure sure. controllers on a game-by-game basis. I think I read that, but then when I plugged it in, it was perfectly fine. I was like, okay. Yeah, that, and it's like a really handy feature if you have like some janky-ass third-party controller or like a fight stick or something that where it doesn't immediately recognize what all the buttons are supposed to be. And you can go in and see like, this button's this, this button's this, this button's this. If the game just straight up doesn't recognize it. Although I think game developers are getting a lot better at recognizing all of the peripherals. And they're also using like standardized stuff. Like the hardware makers are using standardized stuff to make it easier. Right. But yeah, it's pretty cool that you didn't makes, makes even sense. have to like do anything. You just fucking got your PS4 controller to work right away. Five years ago, that would not have worked. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Did that. Then realized, hey, I got the old games. I'm going to start Witcher from the beginning. So I played a bit of Witcher 1. Now, did that work on a controller? No, I'm playing that mouse and keyboard. The layout's a lot nicer, and it's also, you can do pretty much everything with the mouse. Okay. So I'm just using some buttons I find that are easier for that. Yeah. X for the fast one, C for crowd, and Z for the strong like weapon swing to change your thing but it's Witcher 1's kind of like click on the enemy Geralt attacks the enemy just with its design it's a lot more of a traditional RPG so it's not super combat focused where Witcher 3 was yep. more of like big budget triple A balls to the walls action so there's a lot of not great but there's a lot of action based bits in it so I decided I'm going to start from the beginning and then go back that's cool throughout the entire thing because I'm like oh, I have it all on here I don't think you can do that anywhere on a console no I do not think that so. either Witcher 1 or 2 were ported over, so... I think 2 was on the Xbox 360, but that was, like, it. Okay. If I remember correctly. That's when I saw Witcher for the first time. But I didn't have an Xbox, so... Uh, nope. <laughs> but yeah, it will be interesting to hear what your thoughts are in the coming weeks. So that's... I think the first two games clock in at around, like, 30 to 40 hours, and then Witcher 3 is a big fucking open world thing, so... That'll take a yeah. little bit longer than <laughs> those. <laughs> Only my big project to play in those. I finished Witcher 3 in a week, if that means anything. I took the entire week off. I started it Saturday evening and finished it the following Saturday evening. Ah, well, that would make sense. Uh, I don't have that luxury at the moment. I mean, I have the time off, but I don't... Uh... I think I clocked in about 80 hours in it in total. I finished most of the mandatory air quote side quests. I didn't do a lot of the open world busy work stuff because I saw it and I was like, this is open world busy work stuff. Kind of like shotgun <laughs> through most of the main story. Uh, 76 hours in total, apparently. Yeah, it, it can be an up to an 800 hour. Yeah, game. I did. I shotgunned that game and finished it relatively quickly. I did, and like I said, I did indulge in some of the side content, but I was very focused on the main quest. And I thought it was okay. It's just like there's a lot of fluff that doesn't need to be there. But I think that is true of most open world games. So Right. So that's what I've been playing most recently. I also played a game called Onimusha Warlords. I've heard of that. It is a PS2 game. However, I got the PS4 remastered one. Okay. Man, it really is just Resident Evil with samurais. <laughs> That's the short answer of what that so game is. So he's just running around cutting up with zombies? Uh, demons, but some look very similar to zombies in their design. They just have the samurai hat, like the pointy one <laughs> that's made of straw. Okay. So yeah, instead of the gun, you've got uh, a bow, or actually you do get a, a gun in some parts. I found that out after I played the game, because that, that one's actually missable. 
you know what? It was a lot of fun. It has a achievement that's for finish the game in under three hours. And I played it. And on my first playthrough, I got to the end in about three hours and 40 minutes or so. You were actually... Not knowing where the hell I was, I was going. Say, you're pretty close. Yeah, I was pretty close for not knowing where the hell I was going and doing a lot of backtracking for, like, where is this? I don't know. Huh that point is just to say it's it's not a long game but is it a kind of game that you go back to and replay a bunch yeah it's designed definitely to be replayable it's very similar to how you'd like probably replay a resident evil game with its short time to beat the game yeah i was thinking like or like platinum games those ones mm-hmm. are yeah they're good those tend to get better like as you play them more and more and more and learn more about them yeah I do have to say, I, I kind of wish that Capcom had done, like, a remaster of an equivalent that they did for, like, the RE series. I think that would have gauged more interest, because, like, this one, you can still really tell it's a PS2 game. Like, really tell. There's a lot of, like, janky-looking <laughs> character models. <laughs> There's one where the, the Samonosuke guy's, like, got, like, the really wide eyes, and it just, like, looks so jarring in HD, too. <laughs> Yeah, well... He's looking at, like, what'd you say, bitch? (laughs) Kind of face. (laughs) But yeah, it's definitely a game I'm going to go back and play again. Wanted to get some of the achievements, because, yeah, it's a really short game, so... So was this... You can kind of blitz through that really quickly. Was this new, or is this just, like, something you picked up on sale? Sale. Okay. It's it's been, like, released within, like, the last, I'd say, two or so years. It was a budget title when it came out for, like, I think it was $20 to $25 Canadian. Okay. Like it came out cheap because it was just a, like an HD. This is the HD remake of a fucking PS2 game, so or not even a remake, it's a remaster. Yeah, remaster. I wish it was a remake though. Yeah, I do really wish it was because I can see why people really liked the series. Mm-hmm. It just needed a, more than a coat of paint. It needed the the full treatment, but oh well. Last one would be one that I talked about last week, which was Sayonara Wild Hearts. Been cleaning up the achievements for that. I did. I finished everything. Nice. Got gold on everything. I kind of take back what I said about I didn't like that you have to unlock this mode with all the getting the golds because it actually makes a whole lot of sense when you play it. So it's it's called the YOLO mode. Is it a one? Yeah, one life. Yeah, I was going to say, so it's, it's like a one hit dead mode for the entire game? For the entire game, that's, it can take like an hour. I think I got through 12 or so levels before I died, which wasn't too bad. But my point being, the gold, in order to get it, you have to pretty much ace the level without dying. You can miss a little bit, like the stuff to collect, but the main part is you can't die. So getting gold on all of those reinforces and actually prepares you properly for playing the YOLO mode and not getting too frustrated. Because I'm sure if I replayed it again, because I died at a stupid point, I was just like, I just took a gamble where I shouldn't have. <laughs> but Practice, it was training. For the yellow mode. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I got all the achievements. I deleted it. And it's actually one of the few games I went back on the PS4 and went, oh, yeah, I deleted that yesterday. I actually kind of want to replay it right now. And that's rare for a game for me to actually really want to replay it, even after getting all the achievements, because usually I like to just move on to the next thing because Mm -hmm. there's so many games. Yeah. Even this week, I've thought, like, oh, I should re-download and just play a few levels. Like, it might be actually a game that I keep on the PS4, which is rare, because there is really limited heart uh, space on there for the games. Huh. Yeah. It's definitely a contender for my games of the year so far. 
I mean, we are we are like a, a quarter of the way through the year, so it's not unreasonable to say something like that. Uh, don't remind me. So you're just going crazy fast. I <laughs> respectfully disagree with that assessment, but that's neither here nor there. This year has been glacial so far for me. Every someone day is should, suffering. Someone shouldn't have taken that promotion. I think it would have happened regardless, but yeah. <laughs> I would have gotten pile-driven into the ground with work anyway, because I, I'm like not a new member on the team. Mm. So it's like, oh, you can have gotcha. more money to do to get destroyed, or you can just get destroyed and be poor. So it's like, okay, well, I'm going to take more money then. <laughs> not a winning hand, or not a winning hand. Yeah, it's like, what well, do you... slightly better. Yeah, well, a buddy of mine <laughs> has a saying, and I kind of live by that saying when it comes to work. That is, would you rather be miserable on a bicycle or miserable in a Ferrari? I like that one. And my answer is always, I'd rather be crying in a Ferrari than crying on a bicycle. He's like, exactly. So he's like, just remember that your job, if it's a good paying job, that's important, even if you're kind of miserable at it sometimes. (laughs) Or a lot of the time. It's not to say that, like, you know, everyone's situation is different, but it's just like, you know, remember that you could also be upset at, like, any job you're at. So if you have, like, a really good paying job, then maybe that's the only factor that really matters. Yeah, way out what you, what matters to you. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's something that my uh, youngest sister, because she was like, oh, I don't really like my job that much. And I'm like, I don't like my job either. And she's like, oh, but, like, I thought you liked programming. I'm like, yeah, but I fucking hate my job. And I was like, it's better to cry in a Ferrari than it is to cry in a bicycle. And she then, like, yeah, a couple months later, she was thinking about quitting her job. And then a couple months later, she's like, yeah, I decided to stay at my job. And I'm like, why was that? And she's like, because of what you said, it's better to, like, actually have money and be able to, like, afford to be able to do the things I want to do in my free time than to go and work at, like, bullshit nowhere and make no money and still be miserable. <laughs> yep. So I was like, or actually, that's not true. She fucking left her job. Worked somewhere else for a little bit. Had to move back in with my parents. And then her like old boss was like, I need you back here. Everyone who I've hired to replace you sucks dick. Can you please come back? I will give you a raise. And she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Never mind. I fucking misremembered that. With and, the power of editing, that mistake is gone. Nah, you can leave it in. Six. I now have to edit that part out. Whatever. You can leave all of this in. <sighs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That was a whole fucking thing. That was pretty interesting. So yeah, and ever since then, she's been like, my job's not so bad. And I'm like, you have perspective now. That that helps a lot too. So it's actually kind of good that she worked somewhere else for bullshit minimum wage pay for a little bit. And was like, wow, I hate this. And I was like, yeah, it's because it's not great. It's better to have like a nice cushy job that relates to your education, even if it's not the greatest thing in the world, because it's better than being fucking, you know, like having money troubles and struggling all the time, right? That'd be correct. So if you can work a job that pays well, there's a lot of value that you might not immediately think of when you're weighing up the pros and cons of your of your job. But just, you know, think about some of the other shit that people who don't have as much options go through because they don't have those options. And maybe you'll be a little more grateful for it. Anyway, I finished one of my Game of the Year contenders, Hitman 2. Ooh. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, you already knew that that was the case. I think I said that as, as much on my... Uh, on last week's podcast, or uh, or last episode of the podcast, or um, or in one of my recent posts about it. Yeah, it's really good. I finished level 7 and 8, 
I really like 7. 8 has some good moments, but also it's really big, and I hated waiting for people to show up for kills. That was really irritating. It's got a lot of horizontal distance. Granted, there's a lot of stuff to do in between that horizontal distance, so it's not as bad as the Columbia level, Santa Fortuna, but the Haven Islands are just like, it's just too big, and some of the roaming NPCs take a really long time to come back to yeah. where you want them yeah, you're be. telling me that there's unfortunately a technical problem on the... Oh, well. yeah. So, this is a fucking weird technical problem. If a body goes in the water and, like, dies entering, so you, like, drown somebody, the body will not be seen because it's in the water. Even though it's, like, clear water everywhere on this island. But if you <laughs> reload your save, the hidden attribute on the body disappears and, like, Everyone can see it from a really far distance away. I killed somebody doing one of the kills where you, like, the lady who roams around and is, like, the greeter. You can kill her by having her, like, fall through a trap door in a bathroom. Mmm, yes, I remember that one. Yeah, and she falls in, like, this really shallow water. And if you just fucking leave her there, it's fine. Unless you reload your save file. And then every fucking person in a, like, five-mile radius sees that body and starts freaking the fuck out. It's, oh god, that led to a lot of frustration until I figured out exactly what was triggering it, and I was like, oh, what the hell? You're just completing the other part of the mission, and just is like, everyone's on high alert. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? What'd I do wrong? <laughs> yeah, that fucking pirate guy at that stupid Cuban restaurant on that island, fuck that guy. He's the one who kept seeing it. When I finally figured out what was causing it and who was causing it, because it was always him, or it was almost always him, so I went over to that Cuban restaurant, I saved the game. I just fucking pulled out a gun and just unloaded this guy. <laughs> and then and then fucking started shooting down everyone who tried to stop me. <laughs> so yeah, and then Miranda watched me do this. And she's like, do you feel better? And I'm like, a little bit. <laughs> I was so angry at them for... Oh, man. It's so weird because I don't... That wasn't an issue on... Um consoles well i never had that issue the pc had a few technical hiccups like i said a couple of times the game just would just like crash for no fucking reason or at least it didn't give a reason which was a little bit frustrating and then i also had a couple or at least twice where it severed my online connection and oh um, no that's never good yeah and i didn't realize that it was severed until i completed the fucking mission and then i didn't get credits for the challenges i did even though all i had to do was like go out to the menu and then it like reconnected immediately and i'm like what the fuck did ah i've had that happen before yeah it's it's, it's... yeah that's that's shit town 3000 i really don't like that that's like my one kind of main sticking point against the game is I think it's really dumb that it's always online despite it being a single player game. Yeah, it's it's not like there's any like real point for it to be online. It's just for the high scores and tracking your your profile. That's it. Yeah, but I feel like you could just sync it at rec- like later. Yeah, you could. So it's just because I remember playing Hitman One. I was playing it. I guess without an account, essentially, and it was just like no progress saved, and I'm like, what? Yeah, on Steam it just uses your fucking Steam account. It is what it is, I guess. But yeah, so in general, I... What did I say? I think I put the, the tier list of what I think the levels are. <laughs> S-tier is Miami. It is far and away the best level in Hitman 2. Probably the best level in the fucking whole trilogy, but I haven't played Hitman 3 yet. Then, what did I have as number two? Like, I had New York as number two? You had New York high up on that list. Yeah, it was like it was like two or three. Oh, I gotta look up the fucking list here. Okay, yeah, so I had Miami as level as number one, and then... New York was leveled, I put it number two. Then Vermont, I put it spot three. So those are like 
two really small levels, but I really like the concise levels because they're easy to get around. The targets move around really, really quickly in them to where you want them to be. And there was like a ton of insane, crazy kills. And it was like a pretty good, I thought it was a pretty good balance between having locked down areas and having areas where you could more readily roam freely. Put Mumbai at number four. That was a little bit more open-ended, but I still liked that more than when levels are like really, really locked down. I put Hawks Bay as number five, but after I played more of Haven Island, I would actually reverse the order of them. So I had Hawks Bay as five and Haven Island as six. I would reverse those now because like Hawks Bay is kind of a tutorial level and Haven's actually like a full level. It's just really annoying that it takes forever for some of the characters to move around in, in Haven Island. Hawks Bay works as a really good tutorial for everyone who didn't play the first game. Or it's just an introduction to Hitman 2 if you haven't played Hitman for a really long time. And then Santa Fortuna is like not very good. So I have it at spot number seven. And then the Isle of Segale is a fucking <laughs> dog shit level. It's not as bad as Colorado from the first game, but it's not very good. After we talked on like the last podcast and you were like, just don't play it again. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to play it again. And I played New York instead. And I had so much fun playing New York. New York's a good level. It's so fucking good. It, like I said, it, obviously it's, it was number two in my list. So well, it's it's so good because it's just it's just one building. You're in a bank. Yeah, and that's it, it. It's like you're doing the crazy bank heist too. I thought the mission stories <laughs> for it were a little bit weak, but I'm not as fussed about that because the mission stories are more like here's a directed way to play the level. The one is like doing a bank heist, and I did it several times without doing it through the mission story, so I didn't do it exactly the way to trigger. Mm the checklist of events or whatever so it was like i'm like i've done literally all of this stuff i just didn't do it the way the game wanted me to so i didn't get a checkbox for doing the mission story yeah i think i remember that now yeah i had the same thing where i was just like i've done this haven't i yeah exactly the way we said yeah and the way and i and that's the thing i really like about new york is there's just like so many ways to do well i guess not so many but there's like several ways to do a lot of the main kind of like the different things throughout the building so that gives you a lot of freedom in your approach, even though a lot of the areas are really locked down. For me, that's like the perfect way to design a level. It's the exact same way as Miami, right? Like a lot of areas are locked down, but you're still given the freedom to act within those areas to perform various assassinations. Did you get to play as the guy who was getting like let go from his job and then you like oh, took his place? Oh, fucking that one was hilarious. I like went in and it's like those, did your wife knit those sweaters? That sweater, yeah. And then it's like, oh no, I knit them myself. A man's got to have a hobby. And like, as soon as the, he said that line, Miranda is like, wow, she's firing this guy for being gay. And I was like, what the fuck? How did you get that subtext from that? And she's like, oh, that's like women's subtext 101. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, okay, I didn't, I didn't piece that together. No, neither did I. I just thought it was because he was wearing an ugly ass sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I that's what I assume too. <laughs> no, the subtext of that conversation is she's firing him for being gay. Okay then. Yeah. After she said that, like Miranda told me that, I was like, "Well, I have no problem fucking killing this woman now." And I fucking <laughs> drop kicked her down <laughs> the glass <laughs> oh, yeah, into the good. fucking the lobby. <laughs> yeah, there's one where there's like there you can there's an award that has like the pen. Oh man, that one's super. That one's super great. You like fucking turn off the music and she like comes over and turns it back on again. And she's like reminiscing over the award. And you just like casually walk up and just smash your face into it. Yeah. Even if the guards are still in the room, it doesn't make enough noise to alert them, even though it's loud as shit. <laughs> what was that? Doesn't matter. It wasn't yeah. Loud enough. Or there's like one where you 
It's like a challenge where you shoot her through the one-way glass while she's sitting in like her mm, yes. room. I did that while her like fucking bodyguard was like looking right at me. I like crouched behind the table, pulled out a gun, used the assassin vision so I could see where her head was, and shot her in the head, and then ran away. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, did you do the job interview? Maybe not. I don't know. Okay, so there's like this guy who's vomiting in one of the bathrooms. And you go take him out, and you dress in his outfit, and you come out, and you're like, I'm ready for the interview now. Oh, is he the one that you fix the computer problem for? No. No, that's a technical No, 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 no. no. That's a a different one. So, yeah, you go and do an interview with HR, and they ask you... Oh, yes, I played this one. Yeah, yeah, they ask you, like, three different questions, and if you answer them all correctly, they're like, congratulations, you're hired, and you are going to work in the sales division. So that'll give you clearance to every floor of the building. You don't start until tomorrow, but go around and meet some of your coworkers and explore the space. It's good to get acquainted with your working area. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like, there's this, if you answer, like, those three specific questions correctly, you just get access to the entire fucking building. Yeah, there's some really funny, because uh, there's three choices, I think. Yeah. Or two choices. Yeah, they've got, like, r- ambiguous cards, and they ask you, like, which of these reminds you of this particular thing? And, like, one of them is very clearly like, a picture that's supposed to look like Agent 47 holding two pistols. One of them is supposed to look like a bunch of bags of money. I didn't really see that in it, but whatever. And then the third one is, like, a vulture or a an eagle or something, like a bird of prey that has killed some kind of small creature. Yeah, and you can answer with kind of bad answers, and they'll be like, yeah, you're not, no, you can't have this show. I got one of them correct, and I bungled the other two, so they're like, oh, we think you'll fit in in an entry-level position, and then I'm like, is there, like, a correct answer for this? And then Miranda looked it up, and she's like, yes, I'm like, okay, I know what they are, based on, because once you said that the one's like, oh, it's like a bunch of bags of money, I'm like, oh, okay, this is not the right answer for this question, then. So then I redid it, like I reloaded the quick save and redid the interview, and I was like, it boggled my fucking, because Miranda had the page open, so she kept like reading through it, and she didn't spoil it for me when they, afterwards they're like, oh yeah, you have access to the entire building now, and I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) For Haven, I guess my favorite kill, was when you go in as a tech engineer, and you can sabotage the servers, and then if you do that to all of them, it summons all three of them like all three of your targets, (laughs) to that location. And then you can put poison in the vents and kill them all and then walk out. I mean, you'll kill more than just them. Their fucking bodyguards will go down too. But that was like the most like meme-worthy kill. I also picked up the gas mask suit from the break room before doing it. So I like walked out into the poison afterwards to escape. (laughs) There's a lot of interesting kills because there's three targets so that you can do quite a bit. Yeah, I know. I think my other favorite kill challenge with that was killing all of them from the radio tower Mm -hmm. so i did a mission a challenge that unlocked like the super big sniper that has a steadying and a silencer on it and then i like scouted out all three of them and then like waited until they were all in like approximately the right position and then took them all out within like a minute or two of each other and then fucking ran like hell because guards were coming from like all three of where i killed them and were like all running towards the radio tower i'm like i gotta get the fuck out of here (laughs) <laughs> that's like one of the easiest ways to get the suit only challenge done you go up to that tower kill all the guards around the area so that they don't go around make a save because that's your one save like on master yeah that would have been a intelligent thing to do i <laughs> <laughs> i switched outfits i did it in what was ostensibly a suits only run i went into agent 47's villa and i put on his casual beachgoer clothing 
and then killed them in that. So he, I killed everyone in a fucking speedo and a fucking like Hawaiian, yeah. Why are yeah like a Hawaiian shirt? And Miranda's like, why are you killing them in that instead of like switching over to an outfit that would let you be disguised? And I'm like, because this is hilarious. Exactly. I'm like shooting people down on casual Sunday. <laughs> Play however you want. That's the greatest part about the Hitman sandbox. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm really glad you convinced me to play them. And I'm also glad you told me to buy the Gold Edition because, yeah, Haven and New York were two of the better levels in the whole package. So They had enough. Yeah, it would have been shitty to kind of end on the Isle of Sigale because that, that mission fucking <laughs> yeah, sucks exactly. ass. It's, they were just trying to make it hard because it's the final mission in the fucking story. Stupid. Yeah, that doesn't really make sense. That's that. Did I talk about Mail Mole on the podcast last episode? No. Okay, it's a game that's fine. I played it on stream. It's a game where you play as a mole who delivers the mail, kind of. You go around turning on power generators, which has nothing to do with mail delivery, but that's what happens. It's got a lot of room for like speed running potential. I have no interest in doing that, so I just played it through it the once and was like, this is fine. I am done. One of the things that I thought was an interesting design, and it clashed a little bit with how I think about platforming games, is that because you're a mole, you're digging through the ground to get around. And because of that, when you're moving, there's like a dirt thing Dust cloud. Yeah, like a cloud of dirt that's moving as, as you're kind of like digging through things. But the character is actually in front of that. So the dirt pile's not exactly where your character is. It's like behind your character while they're in motion. So I kept getting a little bit confused with that because I think, oh yeah, I'm like right near, I'd want to get like closer to the edge before I jump. And then I, my fucking character would just careen off the edge and I was like, oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> There was a funny part where uh, you were on stream and we were all kind of commenting. It's weird that there's cosmetics in this because your character's underground for like 90% 90 of, the of the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you only see him at the end of the level when he fucking jumps out and like puts mail in the mailbox, which inexplicably turns the fucking generator on. Or whenever you do a jump, but you like that's so quick that it's negligible. <laughs> right. Uh, that was pretty funny when I, when I played it on stream because I, I played like half of the fucking game on stream. <laughs> And that was only like an hour and a half or two hours of game time, right? So Something like that, yeah. Did you have any thoughts? Because you actually got to see me play at least half of the game, so... Seemed fun. Seemed like a nice kind of short, easy game to play in like one stream. Yeah. If anyone would be inclined for that. Some of the characters looked a little weird. Yeah, the fucking characters looked really weird. Didn't set my world on fire, but it, like, it wasn't offensive either. So I was like, oh, this is okay. It's like an inoffensive platforming game. I was kind of hoping that it would be more of a 3D platformer in like a more sandboxy type sense, like Mario 64 or Had in Time are, but it was more of like, oh, it's just like a 2D platformer in a 3D space, which is more in line with like Spyro or what's the orange guy's name? Crash. Everyone really liked the mole though. They were like, I think Megan and, and Gowlee in the, uh, the <laughs> chat were like, I have never heard of this game until now, but I want you all to know that I would die for that mole, and if anyone harms him, I will kill them. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And then the, the final game that I teased on Twitter. So you said you know what it is already. I looked up the name. That's it. Everything else I've not spoiled. Yeah. So drum roll. Oh, no, no, no. I, I want you to say it. I want to see if you got it right. Oh. Drum roll. You gonna hmm? you gonna guess it oh, or I forgot. <laughs> you told me to forget. I guess I did. So <laughs> them's fighting herds. 
which is a terrible pun on them's fighting words. So this is a fighting game that started as a My Little Pony fan game. Jesus Christ. That's not what I was expecting. No. Yeah. Um, but they pivoted it. I don't know the full story, but I know it had some tumultuous tribulations in its development. They pivoted it away from that and made it its own thing. So the art style looks very much like My Little Pony, but it's a little more stylized. I think it's a little more cartoony and more and more like rough, which works better mm. for a fighting game. Yeah. And instead of having a, the fucking shithead, I don't know anything about the fucking pony. I'm not a brony in case anyone was, was wondering, but I don't, I, whatever. Instead of that, they have characters that are like vaguely horse-shaped. One of them is a big fluffy alpaca. One is a deer. One is a unicorn. That one's probably the closest looking one to a My Little Pony character. One is a horse-shaped dragon. One is a sheep. And one is a cow. And they just recently, it went on sale with the release of version 2.0, which came out with a goat character. I did not buy the goat character. I just bought the base game. The goat came after the cow? Yeah, the cow is like was one of their first characters. I'm just surprised by that. So anyway, <laughs> I haven't been playing Fantasy Strike because I got tired of playing Fantasy Strike. And there's some other... Well, I guess I can say it on the podcast. Serlin can't get me here. <laughs> <laughs> so I had lost a bit of interest in the game because after playing it for 550 hours or some shit, there wasn't as much new stuff to learn. They did release new characters, but after kind of the free-to-play launch happened and it got like a lot of people in and then a bunch of people dropped off playing it, it went back to being like just as unpopulated as it was before. That wasn't as fun for me as playing a wide variety of random people was when it like was at its peak with the free-to-play stuff. And the other thing that made me really frustrated was I hadn't played for a while and I went back and played it and Quince, one of the new characters that was added with the free-to-play launch, I fought the same person several times in a row and they were playing Quince the entire time. And I'm like, man, I fucking am playing the character who has the best matchup against Quince. Like, I won some of the matches, I lost some of the matches. They're pretty evenly matched, I would say. This character is just so unfun to fight against because it just, just puts visual diarrhea everywhere on the screen. So I was just like, no, fuck, fuck this. I don't want to play this anymore. This is, I don't want to play this game with this character in it because this character makes the game less fun for me to play. Well, it's your golden rule. If it's not fun, yeah, stop, stop playing. playing. But I hadn't been playing fighting games for a couple of months, and I now have been playing fighting games for like like. Fantasy Strike got me in the rhythm of playing fighting games frequently and often enough that I was like, man, I really want to play another fighting game. So, because Fantasy Strike, it strips back a lot of things that are in other fighting games, so that, like, it makes the learning experience more clear. So, like, there's no motion inputs. The game is very clear about when, like, counter hits happen or when a cross-up happens by, like, putting that very big on the screen. Everything's, like, a one-button special move instead of having to do crazy, like, motion inputs or whatever, so... And then, like, combos are very, like, low and very basic. Which means that you can, like, perform everything in the game with very little time invested. Which means you can get to the part of the game where you're playing the game very quickly. As a new fighting game player, that was really useful for me because I... That game does a very good job of communicating... I still stand by everything I've said that's positive about Fantasy Strike. But so, like, Fantasy Strike's really good at teaching people the language of fighting games. There's a concept, game literacy. Like, that's how we, as players of games who have been playing for a really long time, understand what a game's trying to tell us. And you're, the higher your game literacy, the like easier time you'll have picking up new games, right? 
fighting games have their own long storied history and a ton of terms that just do not exist anywhere else besides in the fighting game space. And because of mm-hmm. that, when you're approaching that as an outsider, you're like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. As much as as myself. Yeah. Play fighting games, so. <laughs> well, so like one thing is normally you have to hold back to block, right? And that's, that's true in mm. most fighting games. As someone who's never played or who isn't really familiar with fighting games, what would you think if you were holding back, but you still got hit? Would you get stunned? No. So what that usually means is that the move's hitbox extends far enough that it hit you from behind, which means it's a cross-up attack. But it's like, if you don't know what that is, when that happens, you'll just be like, I don't know what the fuck just happened. Fantasy Strike makes stuff like that very clear. So when you're learning it, you're like, oh, this is what a cross-up attack. It's like when I attack and the attack will hit the opposite side of where I started it from, right? So like when you learn about that concept, you know, okay, I need to, I was blocking the correct direction, but because a cross-up attack hits from the opposite side, I need to block the other way to block it, even though it might not be immediately obvious. No, that didn't... (laughs) Yeah, or there's things like grab teching, where it's like, oh, this is how you prevent grabs. And it's like, okay, that's not something that is immediately understood, which is why a lot of the times grappler-type characters will usually be noob stompers at low tier, because people who will come in and they will like, I don't know how to grab tech. It's like, like, how do I block grabs? So, well, you don't block grabs, you have to do a grab tech instead. So these are like concepts that make sense if you've been playing fighting games. But if you've never played a fighting game before, this shit makes no sense at all. I'm listening to this shit, and I still don't understand it. I'm editing this, and I don't understand. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that makes more sense as you play it, I think. But Fantasy Strike does an amazing job of outlining what these fundamental principles are, why they exist, and how you're meant to counter them. So it's really good at teaching you fundamentals and teaching you the basic language of fighting games if you're not familiar with that at all, which I wasn't. Now, I am. Before I bought Them's Fighting Herds, I reinstalled Skullgirls because it recently had a bit of an uptick. It's got rollback netcode. And I went online in it for the first time. I had not played Skullgirls since 2015. I've not tried to play Skullgirls like at all. I went in, I played a character tutorial to learn what the character's special moves were, and then immediately went online with that character. And how'd you do? I won, I think, like one match. I've got my ass kicked mostly, but it wasn't like a complete slaughter. A lot of the times I was getting very close to winning. It was just like one or two combos were deciding the match. And I'm like, okay, that's not too bad. But I was like really surprised at like how well I was doing, considering I had basically no practice in the game at all. I barely knew how to do like any like longer combos, so I was only doing like really, really short combos. But like my time with Fantasy Strike taught me like I was able to identify like here's when there's like a big opening for like a punish. Here's how you do like ambiguous cross ups. Use grab as part of your mix up. How do you do like jump in combos? Like these are all concepts that I picked up while playing Fantasy Strike, and because of that I was able to apply them to another fighting game and instead of getting completely washed, I only got like kind of washed. And the same has been true in them's fighting herds. I did like the basic tutorial to learn how to do some of the things. And there's certain things that I, in like bot matches when I was practicing, I was like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know how to throw tech. And I looked, I was, you know, go into the tutorial. Where's the throwing tutorial? Okay, here it is. How do I throw? How do I throw tech? Okay, perfect. And then go back in and fight the bots again a little bit more. Yeah, and then like I went online. I think I've, I've probably played like 100 matches. I have won like three or four of them. 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm getting a wash by people on that and this but like a lot of the times best two out of three rounds a couple of times i pushed people to third round which i'm like okay so i took a round even though i didn't take the game like as i'm playing more i'm seeing improvements very quickly where i'm like okay like this is how i need to do combos this is how i would prevent this this is the kind of thing i can do to punish this thing I'm finding that I'm playing the game and even though I'm not winning, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm losing either because I'm like, I'm, I mean, I am losing in the game, right? But I'm like, I'm having fun losing because I'm learning and I'm able to understand what's happening at a level where I can respond to it in a meaningful way. My first match I went in and I got my ass like completely just destroyed. Like I just, there was no contest, but then I was like, okay, this game has like high low blocking, which is something that's new to me. I guess not a thing in Fantasy Strike. So then that whole set of matches, as I kept rematching against that person, I was learning how to play defense better. So I was learning like, okay, when should I be high blocking? Like, when is it obvious that my opponent's going to do an attack, like an overhead attack where I need to do a high block versus when are they going to mix in those low blocks? So I need to do like a crouching block instead to block low. Then I started working on punishes or like there's one, the new character, the goat character has a special skill where it does a cross up attack. And the first time I got hit by it, I was like, what the hell? And then I saw it again. I'm like, oh shit, that's a cross up. So then when I saw it again in the future, I was like, okay, I I knew to swap what side I was blocking from. And then I could hard punish it because it has a crazy long, it's very punishable if you block it. There's a bunch of concepts that I'm familiar with now that are allowing me to play the game. I said, I'm not winning, but I'm able to play the game at a level where it's like I understanding what's happening. And I, as I'm playing and I'm actually learning and adapting. So I'm having a lot of fun playing, even though I'm not winning very much. But for me, that's been really rewarding because like two years ago, if I tried to do this (laughs) in a fighting game, this wouldn't have happened. I just I would have gotten frustrated and I would have put the game down. and I would have never played it again which is kind of what happened with Skullgirls <laughs> right? and with yeah. Tekken. But now I actually understand what the game is trying to say to me. And because of that, I'm slowly learning. And I'm also having a ton of fun doing that, which is the whole reason why I kind of picked up another fighting game to play. And this one kind of fit my criteria where it's got rollback netcode. Rollback netcode actually works better in this than it does in Fantasy Strike. I don't know how the fuck that's possible. I played matches with people at 300 millisecond ping and it plays like they're sitting next to me. It's crazy. Yeah, that's good. It's insane. At like 200 milliseconds, that's when Fantasy Strike usually got like a little bit kind of choppy and it was a little bit kind of like, eh. But no, it's like the matches in this are, are like, they all feel super smooth and super silky. It's mind boggling. But yes, it's got four buttons. So like for attacking. And then it uses, it's got high low blocking, which is something that's new to me. And it has motion inputs. So like motion inputs are like Street Fighter style inputs, like quarter circle forward. So it's like when you when you press down on the D-pad and then you roll your thumb to the right position, that would be like a quarter circle forward. And you have to do that like really quickly to do some special moves. That's like a new thing for me as well. And that's kind of why I picked this up because I was like, okay, so it's like, but it's not like Tekken where it's like, oh, it's a 3D fighter and there's like all these other crazy fucking things. I have to, uh, like the Korean backdash. This is just like, okay, there's high-low blocking, which is something that I'm not familiar with, but like that's a thing that's pretty common in a lot of fighting games. And then motion inputs, which is something I'm not very practiced in, but is a thing in a lot of other fighting games. For me, this is like kind of like the next step in complexity up from fan, or at least I view it as kind of like the next step up in complexity from Fantasy Strike, where it kind of stripped out a bunch of that stuff. And now I'm learning, now that I have like the basic, really core fundamentals of fighting game stuff, I'm now trying to learn some of the more advanced stuff that is in the genre so I can continue to enjoy other members of the genre. 
like I said, even though I'm losing, I'm still having a really fun time playing it. So I hope that y'all aren't sick of me talking about it because I'm going to probably end up talking about it on future podcasts at regular intervals. <laughs> it's the new Monster Hunter. Kind of. Well, for topical. Yeah. For games to be played wise. And I am playing the cow character. She's great. Every other character is like kind of mean-spirited except for the alpaca. Well, I guess the sheep's kind of nice too, but like the deer and the dragon and the, especially the unicorn are just like complete pieces of shit. Their taunts and their like match openers are very rude. And then the alpaca just doesn't like speak English. She just like loves everything. The sheep is very nervous and the cow is like very humble country bumpkin. So I like the cow a lot. <laughs> she also hits like a truck, which also might be part of why I really enjoy her. And funnily enough, so like Humble published this game. So this has Humble money behind it. Are you familiar with Tara Strong? Does that name mean anything to you? No. She's the voice actor behind Timmy Turner from Fairly Odd Parents, among other things. She's the voice okay. actor for the cow character. Nice. So I was like, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, that sounds like redneck Timmy Turner. And then I looked up the voice actor, or I guess in this case, voice actress, and oh, it's Tara Strong. That's why it sounds like fucking bumblefuck Timmy Turner. <laughs> I've only put about 12 hours into the game so far, but it's like the only thing I've been playing this week in between doing several hour-long art sessions. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really fun, and I, I'm I can't understate the amount of joy I have now that this genre, because I did, I wrote an article in 2019 called Fighting Games Are Fucking Hard, and you should go read it. And it was about how I was always really interested in the genre, but I could never really penetrate the genre. And Fantasy Strike was the first time that I felt like I was able to do that. I wrote that article when I had just started playing Fantasy Strike. I feel like I should do a follow-up article maybe titled Fighting Games Are Still Fucking Hard, but I love them. Because that, that article is really, for me, it, was, it wasn't like a negatively slanted article. I thought it was a very positive article about how I thought fighting games were amazing, and I really wanted to start playing them and enjoying them and getting in on them, but I couldn't figure out how to. And I have gotten to the point now where Fantasy Strike was my first sensei, and it taught me how to get into fighting games. And now I, I was, I was able to, like I did, I played Skullgirls for a couple of hours and I was like, wow, I actually like kind of understand what's going on in this game. But it has a couple more buttons than I wanted to fuck around with. So I'm like, is there something a little bit simpler than this? And then I, I looked around and I'm like, oh, them's fighting herds. That only requires four buttons and like high-low blocking and motion inputs. Yeah, I, I think I could do that. I, I have a lot of joy uh, with the fact that I can finally enjoy this genre the way that everyone else who really into fighting games is able to because it's a genre that speaks to me on a fundamental level so the fact that i finally have like an open dialogue with these games now and can actually play them and enjoy them i i think that's really fantastic i kind of monopolized that a bit i should have given you more time to talk anyway no no <laughs> i'm not big on uh, fighting games so i don't really have much to kind of contribute to the conversation yeah it's like that and roguelikes They've become like two of my favorite fucking genres as I've delved into them more and, and gained a greater appreciation for them. Those two genres, just they, I don't feel like they can mix together very well. A roguelike fighting game. That would be... Yeah, that sounds like it'd be pretty Weird. shitty. <laughs> you like unlock new special moves on every run so your character starts off like fucking useless. Oh my, oh my fucking gosh. Anyway. Just fighting a slime at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. It's going to be our video game. Yeah, it'll be our video <laughs> game. The fucking Frosty Connects presents fucking... I don't even know what we yeah, call it. this on April Fool's, it'll be like, this was an elaborate April Fool's. Yeah. <laughs> that was all I had for games, so are we ready to wrap up the podcast? Oh, yeah. All right. 
Thank you all for joining us this week on the Frosty Canucks. You can follow us on Twitter at the Frosty Canucks or on any of the platforms. This podcast is available on, such as Anchor, Stitcher, or Spotify. Spoofy. You can follow myself at Javam Animation. That's J-A-V-M Animation. I post what I've been playing, and I've finally started back into art after a seven to eight year hiatus, after I convinced myself that art was not something that I was interested in. And after spending already 20 hours in one week, um, that's clearly changed. Sorry, side tangent for a bit. I'm going to hijack this for a second. What you posted on Twitter was actually like really good, considering I didn't know you had any artistic ability at all. I need a lot more practice. I know Jen does, because she was all like, oh, look at how artsy I am. And, like, you know, you, you guys have seen me go from, like, shit town 3000 art to, like, better art over the course of however long I've been posting it. And I've been doing, like, shitty doodles since forever. But I had no idea that you were, like, into art at all. <laughs> yeah, I stopped in grade 11. A lot of that was to do with the fact that I was convinced that art wouldn't really pay the bills or anything like I that. Mean, so I mean, it doesn't. Focusing on that. But no, it's I a great it. hobby to have in your downtime especially if you work with computers because it's so far removed from that yeah yeah you can follow me for any of like those kind of drawings i'm gonna practice the he's got some really good pokemon on there considering he the man hasn't drawn on like a tablet in fucking years anyway your shit my shit you can follow me on twitter at frosty light that's where everything goes you'll find out about new art you'll find out about new posts you'll find out about when i am streaming all the individual stuff for those. Uh, go read my stuff on my blog, frostylight.ca. I uh, won't have anything of any consequence going up next week, but go read my articles that are there anyway. I wrote one about Hitman last month. It's pretty good if you haven't read it. I highly recommend you read it. I am thinking that there's going to be some fighting game-related content coming out on the site in the coming weeks, just based on my experience with herds. Yeah, I don't know what else will, will pop in there, but we'll see. You can go to Instagram if you just want to follow my art stuff. I don't post in-progress pieces there. I only post the finished ones. So if you're on watching me on Twitter, you can see like the shit show before I finish the drawing. If you just want to see the finished stuff, Instagram, follow there. It's just art. And uh, Twitch is where I stream almost every Friday. I say that knowing that I'm not going to be streaming tomorrow because I want to have a long weekend where I do nothing. But normally I do video games or art over there. I think I'm getting comfortable enough with the new style I spent most of March developing and working on that I could go back to actually doing art streams again because it wouldn't be me just farting around with the same thing over and over and over again. But yeah, twitch.tv slash frostylight for streams on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern time, usually. That's it for me. Thanks everyone for joining us and stay frosty.